Today's reading is Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff. They comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the word of the Lord. So uh, at this time, I'd like to dismiss any of our Redemption Middle Schoolers, Redemption Youth, Mr. Manami's teaching the last, the final installment of a six-week course uh, going through our different parts of, of the worship service and uh, helping our, our children understand what it is that we do in, in service. So please, they've already gone, so they got the message. Cool. Uh, I invite you to pray with me one last time. Father, you are the good shepherd. Help us to know what that means and help us, Father, to, no matter where we find our place right now, to become your sheep or if we are your sheep already, um, wherever we are, Father, that we would be able to hear your voice, that we would be able to listen to your voice this morning and follow that voice into still waters and quiet pasture and um, to find rest in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so my, uh, my last living grandparent is now in hospice care. Um, and so as I reflect on his memory, and I think of all the different times, ups and downs uh, of my relationship with, with him over the years, um, I think most often of uh, all the times that I prayed for him, all the time that I prayed for him. I remember my, one of my, my first prayers as a little child was that he would come to believe in Jesus. I don't even think I knew what it really meant to believe in Jesus at that time, but that's what I really wanted for my grandpa. And so now he's at the end of his life, and I hope that. And, you know, I can't read his heart. I don't know his heart. But I, I've certainly seen him in the last four or five years. He's taken a greater interest in the things of God. And he's, he's asked me whenever I have visited him in the last couple of years, you know, hey, can, you, can I somehow listen to a sermon of yours? And so I tell my mom, you know, play your phone. Let him hear a sermon. You know, let him um, listen. And he's interested. And so I don't, I don't know where he is. Um, but he often is asked, and, and every time I see him, he asks, how's, how's the church? You know, how's your family? How's, how's ministry? Um, which are new conversations. Now he can't talk much. He's dying. And that's where my thoughts have been this week. Soon, maybe at a funeral, and I may have to, uh, you know, perform the wedding or, or t- perform the funeral or attend the, the funeral. I'm not sure. Um, you might not have a family member right now who's gravely ill, but whether it's a season for you, a time of plenty or a time of want, 
Psalm 23 is a psalm of immense comfort, consolation, and contentment. Um, the Christian life is a journey. It's not an instant arrival. The Bible often describes us less like tourists, you know, tourists with their home to go back to, but more like pilgrims who are on a journey, who are on this continual pilgrimage to a place called Zion or the New Jerusalem, a city in heaven that is to come. Uh, the book of Hebrews describes the Christian life, uh, compares the Christian life to those Israelites who wandered through the wilderness, often wondering, how long, O oh Lord, will we be wondering? You know, 40 years, that's a long time. Or Peter, he describes the Christian life, as we've been learning in First Peter in our study, uh, that he calls the elect exiles, right? So we're no longer in the glory days of a, of a nice temple, um, but we're exiles in a foreign land. This is not our final home. This is, we're, we're operating, we live in a place that's not our true home. And so it's on that journey to a land far away that Psalm 23 comforts us and, and lifts us up. The Lord's our shepherd, and we hear his voice speaking to us as the psalm reveals the Lord Jesus as both the good shepherd of his sheep and as the shepherd who lays down his own life for the sheep, who never strayed from the, from the shepherd. There are three truths that I want to focus on this morning from Psalm 23. The first is that the Lord is my provider. So say that with me. The Lord is my provider. The second is the Lord is my protector. Say that with me. The Lord is my protector. And finally, the Lord is my portion. Let's say that together. The Lord is my portion. The Lord's my portion. So provider, protector, and portion. So let's start with the first. The Lord is my, my provider. So in times of, of prosperity and, you know, when things are going along smoothly, right, life's going along according to plan, I think it's easy to fall into a kind of spiritual complacency where we forget that we need God. It's easier to think we have everything together when we're not struggling, suffering, or in need of something. But we're not to be satisfied, the psalm tells us, with wealth or possessions. As Luther's mighty fortress goes, right? Let goods and kindred go. Great reminder. We're to delight in the Lord and to evaluate everything in light of his good character, who he is, what he has done. If God's my shepherd and he's the one leading me, then as verse 1 says, I shall not want. Of course, though, the problem is, is we find ourselves wanting. No? Even though we might have heard it, right, that the Lord's my shepherd, I shall not want, we might know that intellectually, we might know that in our, in our brains, but it's really hard for us to, to, to believe that God's our provider. And I think this translation can easily turn into, right, the Lord's my shepherd, but I still want. <laughs> if we're honest, we still want something else. We still want someone else. We still want to take something that isn't ours. Um, if I read my own heart, that's, that's where my own heart lies. I'm going, I should be content, and yet I still want. And so, notice the good shepherd provides for his sheep by giving them food and drink. Psalmist uses imagery of these luscious green pastures. We were singing about the green fields uh, for sheep to graze on, and then still waters for sheep to drink from. And that sounds awesome on a nice hot summer day to get some, some cool water, right, to drink and sip from. 
but the thought recalls God's provision back in the Old Testament with the people of Israel as they are they're journeying and they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. And after God had delivered them from the mighty hand of Pharaoh, they were sold and they were slaves, right, in a, in a foreign land. And God freed them. And yet the people of Israel, they began to grumble and they moaned. <laughs> and Exodus 16, it describes this. It says um, they're crying out to God and they're saying to each other, would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. <laughs> wow. So they're just groaning and, and murmuring and grumbling to God. Oh, how frustrated I am with you, Lord. Um, I'm not satisfied with what you provided for me. And so, I mean, their, their, their complaint, right, it exposes that they're a stiff-necked, hard-hearted, hard-headed people. And uh, giving no thought to God's delivering them from slavery. I mean, that's kind of a big deal, right? It's like, you're not slaves anymore, you're free. Um, but that they forget that. And they're overcome by their current difficulty. The shepherd who, who saved them from oppression would also save them from hunger by giving them manna. Manna was uh, a heavenly bread, something that came from heaven that, that fed the people and was directly coming from God for their provisions, and yet they, they scorned that. He would spread out a table in the wilderness for them to eat and be nourished, be their provider and their source of survival, and yet they didn't want that. Question this morning for us is, do you believe that God is your provider? Are you thanking him? Are you in a season of, of pausing and thanking him for the provision he's given you? The Lord's Prayer has a line as we prayed Give us this day our daily bread. And that's such a hard line for us to pray uh, because we, you know, we have grocery stores, right? We go to the grocery, grocery store, we fill up our shopping cart, and we didn't have to you know, go pick the, the cabbage. Just say cabbage. The leaf. We didn't have to. See, I don't even know what those things are anymore. I'm so divorced from farming now. No idea. Um, you know, we didn't have to go to the factory and produce all that stuff that we buy, like Oreos and red licorice, which I'm eyeing. It's under the table back there. Um, you know, we, we didn't put all that together. And so I think it's easy for us to forget, right, because we're so divorced from the means of production, that, that, that God is the source, that God is the one who provides for us, that he um, gives us the ability to earn the income that provides for the food that goes onto our tables, that fills our bellies, that he is the, the source of that. That it doesn't originate from me, it comes from God. So the psalmist David, he, he continues by saying that this shepherd makes me lie down in green pastures, verse 2. God's a shepherd who, he gives, <laughs> he gives his sheep exactly what they need for their body and for their soul. The same God who dropped food from the sky to feed his people wandering around, also gives bread to eat and wine to drink as we gather in this holy assembly, right? Where we hear God's word preached to us and we receive, uh, last week we celebrated the Lord's Supper, communion, um, where, where God feeds us richly with, with both word and sacrament. He cares for our souls. He gives us the gift of eternal rest through the work of Jesus, where we don't have to earn our salvation anymore. Susie, thank you for reminding us of the gospel we no longer have to earn our status before God, but we are found favorable in Christ. 
God accepts us. He says, I love you in my son. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake, verse 3. The Lord works in us through the Spirit each day, giving us rest from our evil works and beginning that eternal rest, that, that, that long rest that we wait for. And uh, each Sunday, right, we press the pause button on our crazy busy lives and our Fox News and CNN and ESPN, all of our alerts, especially right now, NBA Finals. I mean, how about them Raptors, right? But we hit the pause button on that. We say, okay, Raptors, you guys are awesome, but, you know, pause. And, and, and we, we reflect and we, we wait on the Lord. And we're confident that the Lord is our shepherd we shall not want. Warrior fans are wanting. Okay. But now the, the psalm turns away from the focus, right, from the green pastures, and we enter the, the valley of the shadow of death. The Lord's my provider. Second, the Lord is my protector. He guards me. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Verse 4. So we have the now metaphors, a rod and a staff. Uh, God protects his sheep with rod and staff. Shepherds in the ancient Near Eastern world, they would have both a rod and a staff. Um, The staff was like a long crook uh, to steer and reel back straying sheep, right? Keeping them within the fold, keeping them from harming themselves. And, And just like an earthly shepherd, our divine shepherd uses his staff to discipline his straying sheep and a rod to keep our enemies at bay. Sheep are wayward. They need a watchful shepherd. In our sin, we're, what's that hymn? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love, right? Great description for, for how we are. We grasp after what we want and we're blind to what we need. As Isaiah the prophet, he said, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And that's who we are by nature. Even as those who have heard gospel news, good news, we still feel our hearts, right? Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. And so we, ne- we desperately need for God to protect us from ourselves. So God protects us in a couple ways. Uh, one way he, he protects us is by giving us under-shepherds, by giving us uh, spiritual leaders in our life to care for us, elders and, and pastors and um, deacons to take us in when we're hungry, to feed us till we're full, to keep us from wandering from the fold. The good shepherd, as he tells us in the parable of the lost sheep, goes after the one. Right? He's the one who never leaves the one behind. He, he, he chases after the one who leaves the 99. He wants to see his sheep return to the fold. And although Psalm 23 highlights the importance of being protected from ourselves, we also need protection from our enemies, right? It says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? It says, for the shepherd is with me. God is with me in my trials. God is with me. The Lord is my protector. We live in this world that's a world full of, of sin and death. It's a cursed world because of sin. And this metaphor, valley, is a metaphor for, for a dangerous place, a place of, of, of fear, a place where you don't know what lurks behind the corner. And we see that even God's people are not immune to suffering. Just because you 
become a Christian doesn't mean that you're immune to um, falling into um, horrible, horrible hardship, that suffering cannot happen. Even though God's our shepherd, harm can and it will befall us, but, but we can be comforted in the fact that God is with us wherever we are and wherever we go. That, that in our wilderness, as we wander through the plains of this present evil age, that he has not left us, that, that we can never be apart from him. And we can fear no evil. Why not? Why should we fear no evil? Why, 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 how can we say, you know, in, in the valley of the shadow of death, death, I will fear no evil? We fear no evil because God has given us the ultimate protection in his son, Jesus. It's like uh, if you're a kid, you know, and you're, you're, you're out on the, the jungle gym and you're, you're playing tag or you're playing blasters or whatever, right? All the little games that we play when we're out there. And uh, all of a sudden you go, I have a force field around me. You know, I have a force field. That doesn't hurt me. You know, it's like Jesus is like the ultimate force field, okay? He's like great protection. Can't get through it. Um, Jesus comforts us with the words in, in John 10 saying, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. That laying down his life for the sheep became our hedge of protection. Jesus came to be the lamb slain for us so we'd have the forgiveness of sins. He was beaten with the Father's rod of judgment so that we would be given the Father's protection with his staff to guard us, to keep us safe as the sheep of his pasture. By his blood, we're we're spared from God's judgment on his enemies and we're delivered from our Slavery to Satan. Unlike us sheep who've fallen away and wandered off, Jesus never once strayed from the chief shepherd, from, from, from the Father. He perfectly obeyed all that the Father commanded him. He walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He feared no evil in order to bring us new life, saying, come, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Rest for your souls. So we fear no evil because... Jesus has subjected all of our enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil, under his feet. He is Lord. Finally, this psalm, it shifts from this shepherding imagery to that of a host and of a house. The Lord's my provider, the Lord's my protector, and the Lord is my portion. He's my portion meaning he's my meal. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows, verse 5. So the psalmist pictures for us this, this festive banquet. Oh, can you imagine it? This, this, this wonderful banquet with a king, right? With a host entertaining his guests, with a table abundantly laden, spread with food and drink. The best of wine, well-aged. The best of food. His enemies, however, look on helplessly, shut out from the celebration, unable to harm him, unable to steal his gifts. Psalm 73, um, it's my wife's favorite psalm, one of her favorite psalms. She loves verses 25 and 26 particularly, but the psalmist in Psalm 73 struggles, right? Struggles with this reality that we see in the the world today. And, And that's this, that why is it that so often that the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? Right? Why is it that people who shouldn't live 90 plus years 
are the ones living 90 plus years, and the sweet grandmas, right, they die young. It's like, what's up with that, right? That doesn't make sense. Um, those who want to live a life pleasing to God are often uh, more poor than those who uh, get ahead by uh, ungodly gain. Um, and what's up with all that? And so the psalmist navigates his way through that question. He concludes that although the wicked may prosper in this life, God's placed all evildoers on a slippery slope, slope that ends in their own destruction. That's how the psalm kind of, the arc of the psalm goes. And life might look good at first, but their time is running out. So, so looking past the folly of earthly life, all of God's people look ahead for the joy that's to come rather than focusing and fixating on the present. Um, it's news of the triumphant victory in the coming future that allows us to embrace temporary affliction, temporary setbacks, temporary trials, because they're temporary. They're only lasting for a little while longer. And then Psalm 73, verses 25 and 26, they say, Whom have I in heaven but you? Earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Life's not fair, sure, but this life is not all there is. It's not the life we're just going to know. We're still pilgrims on the way to Zion, on the way to that great heavenly city beyond the world we see and we know and we experience right now. We have this portion, this inheritance that is guaranteed to us. And it's greater than all the, the wealth and riches of Wall Street and all of the, the glit and glamour of Gucci and all of the picturesque perfection of Mongolia, right? Is it Mongolia? Is it Magnolia? Magnolia, that's the one. Not Mongolia. Darn. Almost had that. Magnolia. Magnolia Farm. We're going to make the Mecca, apparently. We're going we're gonna to go and see the Magnolia Farm, whatever. I don't know what it is, really. Supposedly, it's nice stuff. HGTV? I don't know. Anyways, so uh, Psalm, Psalm 23 ends with certainty and, and assurance. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, verse 6. And for all who believe in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus today, the good shepherd who gave his life for you, you will dwell in God's house forever. Forever. The great host, he's prepared an eternal meal, eternal home for you. A place that is, that is your home for you to dwell in. See, David only had a glimpse, the psalmist only had a glimpse of that reality. We have far more than a glimpse. We see it to its completion. He knew God was his shepherd, but we have heard him through his word. We have seen his body and his blood regularly in the supper. Jesus is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Jesus provides for and he protects us. He is our portion, our lasting inheritance. He is the good news. And nothing and nobody can snatch him away from you. Jesus is not just God with us in some kind of esoteric sense of the word or, or some intellectual sense, but he is the one who went through the valley of the shadow of death, who feared no evil, who bore death himself. He was forsaken by God on the cross so that you would never be left nor forsaken. 
but accepted and loved in, in Christ by, by God. So do you believe in Jesus, that in Jesus you have everything you need? Can you say that? Um, that in, in Christ that you, you lack no good thing? How do you answer the question, you know, if it, how do you answer that question, honestly? If you are all of a sudden, if you find yourself in the place of my grandfather, in hospice care, lying, looking at the end of your days, right, reflecting back, how do you answer that question? What is your only hope and comfort in life and death? Would you still confide in money and power and influence and affluence and assets? Probably not at that point, right? Relationships, too, would start to flounder and falter. Only close family and friends would be near you then. Do you believe that you have everything you need in Jesus? Is he your hope? Is he your comfort? Is he your joy? I just want to say, you know, let him be your provider. Let him be your protector. Let him be your portion. <laughs> let him be your delight. Because he'll never fail you. He can never let you down. He will never leave you. He will always love you. Let's pray. Father, you are a provider. You're a protector. You're a portion. Lord, I ask that you would let these things be more than propositions in our heads, uh, that they wouldn't just flit about in our brains, but would reach down to the recesses of our hearts and that we would believe and that we would trust and we would hope in you as these things, that, that, that you would be our, our, our great delight, Father, that to be with you would be the only thing that matters, the, the very first thing of importance in our lives. Please help us, Father, to see of our, our, our great need of you, our great need for you. Help us, Father, to see you as our portion. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.